Hello, you're listening to Grow, Cook, Inspire. I'm your host, Helen Cross, and this is the podcast with gardening, food and farming at its core. Hello and welcome to today's show and thank you again for tuning in. Today's show is all about tomatoes. So whether or not you're growing tomatoes or you simply just love eating tomatoes, this is the episode for you. I'll also be talking about an exciting growing festival which has kicked off this week in Glasgow and runs through until next week. So let's kick things off and talk about tomatoes. Today's guest is a friend of the podcast. I am delighted to welcome back food writer and chef Claire Thompson, who I caught up with a couple of weeks ago ahead of the publication of her latest cookbook published by Codwell only just yesterday. And yes, you guessed it. It is all about tomatoes and it is aptly titled Tomato. It is packed full of delicious recipes which celebrate one of the most widely eaten foods in our kitchens. In fact, there are 80 recipes in this beautiful book. So if you are growing tomatoes this year, this is definitely a book for your kitchens and I'll be making my way through it definitely. And it really fits in with my ethos of grow what you eat. Now, Claire is a wealth of knowledge on all things food with a number of hugely successful books under her belt. She also writes across a number of publications, including The Telegraph and The Guardian, and also develops recipes for BBC Good Food and Waitrose. Her hugely popular and informative cooking videos on her Instagram account, The Five O'Clock Apron, which she started throughout lockdown, continued and have continued to um, encourage more of us to cook good family food from scratch without fuss. Tomato is going to be a definite hit this summer. Hi Claire, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's nice to chat again. How was your bank holiday weekend? Oh, it was amazing, actually. We had such a blast. It felt like we were being in the middle of Sicily or something. Oh, tell me more. Where did you head off to? We went down, sat, like, to the very end of Cornwall, near Land's End, near St Just. Oh, lovely. Amazing. And was the weather good? Yeah, it was awesome. It was, like, really hot. The sea was pretty cold, but, you know, we're used to that. We're used to that. We're in the we're in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what does a bank holiday weekend look like with a family and um, a food writer, or a food writer in our family? I should say. Well, it's always revolves around eating. I would say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, we just went to um, you know, I'm not a big royalist, but um, that's by the by. Um, we just went to Cornwall because we used to live down there. So um, we bundled the kids into a van and took our little tiny Big Green Egg Mini Max thing and did some cooking on the beach, bought some fish in Newlyn, made some lunch. Well, we had breakfast, actually. We had fish rolls for breakfast. Yeah, it was mm. brilliant, really. And, um, you know, my kids are used to sort of like us all being about what we're eating and where we're going in search of food and 
what we're doing down there. We used to um, uh, do some foraging down there, so we sort of know the sort of the lay of the land really for all that. Amazing, and it's just a great place in the country to go for good food as well. Yeah, it's really good. We don't tend to eat a lot of fish really when we're in Bristol because we shouldn't really be eating that much fish. But when I'm down there, I think oh, you know once once or twice a year we buy fresh fish for the market. Oh no, you can't cannot be good fresh fish, especially when you know where where it's coming from and it's so so fresh. Yeah, cannot beat that. So Claire, since we had spoke last year, you have been um, a busy woman. Um, your Instagram has been awash with um, really successful reels to encourage more of us to cook really simple, healthy, family-friendly dishes, which are so inspiring. I love those. Um, what's the feedback been like from the reels that you've been doing for Instagram? Kind of explosive, really. Yeah, it's been really good. So back in lockdown one, I started doing IGTV, which was sort of long frame you know, recording of what I was cooking for the kids during those long, long days of homeschool. <laughs> yeah. Um, reels didn't exist like two years ago. So I've just kind of really got my head around them as a medium since we've moved to this house. And um, I really like the fact that I'm just me in the reels and I'm, I'm it's not all stylized. It's just me in my kitchen, but no makeup, whatever I'm cooking. And I think it's a nice little sort of memory jolt to all the recipes that I publish alongside those reels. So really positive actually I've been commissioned by BBC Good Food to come up with some more for them which is just doing one now today and I just really like you know practicing what I preach and not being in some sort of ivory tower you know waffling on about food that we don't actually eat I like the fact that I'm showing people that this is actually what we eat yeah it's what's in your kitchen cupboards and what is in your fridge as well it's really realistic and um, which is also so so um, refreshing and as you said you're not in some sort of tower sort of lording down everybody else it's just really real so I'm sure lots of people will have been inspired to get back into the kitchens and, and keep that going after lockdown as well yeah and I think you know if if my job as a food writer and also someone who's been a chef is, is anything it's to show people how easy it is to make good food you don't need special expensive things and sometimes it is just leaning on the store cupboard with a few you know, seasonal things that come by your way, whether they're herbs in your garden or things you've grown or, or gluts at the veg market or whatever, you know, that sort of can add on to your to your sort of store cupboard staples. So what's for lunch today? <laughs> I just made, actually, a, a, um, a rice and chickpea and courgette kind of pilaf with mint and cumin and coriander and cinnamon. Uh, the BBC asked me to do this seven-day meal plan for them. So I just done filmed one of the recipes as a reel and they just wanted the same remit really like store cupboard, not too expensive, easy to do in a sort of normal, you know, family cooking time frame and budget. Brilliant, brilliant. That sounds really yummy. I might have to give that a look into that on my meal planner for um, for the week ahead, which um, has not materialised yet because I am still hanging a little bit after the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) But that's fine, that's fine. So since we spoke, um, you obviously, Home Cookery Year was a huge success. And that was the theme tune to all of my meal times last year. I felt I worked my way through that book. I just loved it. And then in the summer, you published Camper Van Cooking as well with your partner. Yeah, so I, the, the, the secret's out is that I'm not the biggest fan of camping. <laughs> <laughs> 
Matt is is a proper camper. He's like Kiwi, so he loves it. So we do camp a lot, really, but it's Matt who who um, excels in all things camping. Love cooking outside. I love the sort of romance of cooking over a barbecue and being outdoors and lighting the fire and cooking. It's just the sleeping part that bothers me. But um, yeah, so Matt and I wrote that together last summer, and we had just such good fun doing it because we just took the girls to Dorset, and we and we're friends with the photographer of my book, so. He came with us and we all just camped and cooked and, you know, I don't need a food stylist on my books or anything like that. I just like the fact that we actually cook the food and, and that's what it looks and tastes like. So that was fun. And that's, that's what people want. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need someone with a pair of tweezers in my cookbooks. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was it like working with Matt on a book? Well, we've worked together lots actually in restaurants and various. Um, yeah, good. You know, he's... Matt's a chef as well, so mm-hmm. we're we're a cracking team, really. Um, and he's helped with all my book shoots and stuff. So he, you know, he's like my home ec, really. He's my right right hand man um, in more sense than than one. Uh, we've but we've all we, you know we've worked together for twenty one years now, so that's a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. I want to know when the next book is with you and Dot. That's what I'm anticipating. Yeah. She is so keen. She, you know, she's my little disciple in the kitchen and also in the garden, which is reassuring. She just loves it, you know. So um, she's been growing some beans in her class and her teacher messaged me on, on the app saying, oh, gosh, thank you for sending in Green Finger Dot. She's nailing it. Like, yeah. So that is good, isn't it, really? I think. No, I, I send my kids in with plants to plant up in the garden at school it's so good for them I wish I would love I don't know what your school's like but we're we're slowly getting a bit better but I would just love that to be much much more part of the curriculum mm. um it's a no-brainer like, really isn't it but it's, it's it is a no-brainer but yeah. for some reason we just we get it wrong a little bit and I actually think it comes to down to sort of confidence amongst teachers to be honest as well not actually having the confidence and sometimes the knowledge um, to impart especially when it comes to growing and gardening that's certainly what I found over the last year I think it's the government that's to blame to be honest they don't put any resources in you know they'd rather hand a classroom of kids a bunch of iPads you know just to press yes. thoroughly than than get them with some seeds and, and cooking and oh god I could go I know we, that, yeah. that's for a different episode I just I, I spoke to Thomasina Myers last week and we had the exact same discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're all singing from the same same hymn sheet but um, obviously so camper van cooking and you, you haven't stopped because you now are about to publish your seventh cookbook mm. which is called Tomato mm-hmm. and it's published this month on the 22nd of June and it's available um, to pre-order at the moment and it's a celebration of all things tomato, as it says on the cover. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big so, fan of tomatoes. <laughs> like, it is, honestly, it is such a beautiful book to look at. Um, the front cover itself is, oh, it's just absolutely beautiful. And you can tell it is going to be bursting full of flavour and vibrant dishes. 80 recipes celebrating the humble tomato. How, how did this come about? Well, for the last few years, I've been working in the growing season with Isle of Wight tomatoes. So okay. um, this isn't an Isle of Wight tomato book, but, you know, it seemed like a natural sort of book for me to write next, really, on tomatoes. Um, and it's sort of 
backed up by the New Kitchen Basics. I did a tomato chapter and also Arstalada. I lent heavily on, on the store cupboard being a place for tin tomatoes. So it all kind of comes together in this book, really. And, um, you know, t- tomatoes, without a doubt, fresh and processed are one of my top three ingredients, I would say. Um, many people love tomatoes. Um, and I love the fact that they straddle the seasons in all their culinary use. And what I find fascinating about them is the fact that, you know, they're not indigenous to this country. And yet here we are, such a tomato eating nation. So I found that quite interesting with a, with a view on sort of appropriating food and, and recipes and, and ingredients. And sort of like I wanted to acknowledge that in the beginning of the book that I've never been to South America and that's where they come from. But, you know, I've traveled in many other places in the world and almost as if throughout the world, all these countries have said, oh, tomatoes, we have tomatoes. You know, they're in our they're in our cultural identity. But I find that fascinating about food, how it travels. And who did you work with on this book? Just myself, really. Just Uh, yourself, just yourself. Yeah, I I, am. You know, I I write recipes for a living, really. So I I don't have any um, shortage of. And people often ask, how do you come up with more recipes? But I can honestly say, hand on heart, I, I rarely cook the same thing twice because I'm just constantly cooking what's in front of me. And I, and I love that about food, that you can, you can look anywhere in the world and, 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 and get recipes and knowledge and, and learn something. And what, have you, what were the sort of um, challenges when it comes to, I mean, 80 recipes about tomato, that is no mean feat. What, what were the main challenges? to make a book that would inspire people? God, I really didn't find it a challenge. So, um... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Claire. I'm so special. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just breaking it down into the obvious sections of um, condiments, soups, salads, sauces, fried and grilled, braised and stovetop, baked and roasted, help you navigate how to put which recipe where in the book, you know. Um, and I always... In a book this size, there's always going to be 70, 80 recipes. So if you get your bankers of sort of chapter breakdowns, then I think you're just slotting in eight recipes, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, always, always with food, if you look to where in the world people love tomatoes, then then you've got this kind of, well, this colossal kind of bank of sort of ideas, really. Mm-hmm. So I um I watched a Netflix episode a couple of, well, about a year ago now, and I saw Christina Martinez, who has a, she's a barbacoa chef in Philadelphia. She, I wrote to her and said, look, I've never been to South America, but could you give me a tomato sort of orientated recipe? And, and I'd love to credit you in the book. And so her recipe is in there and I sort of, you know, I've traveled a lot. So I, I've got quite a lot of um, personal knowledge of, of where I've eaten and, and where tomatoes are relevant in, in various cuisines. So yeah, I mean, it's, I could have gone on, I think more. <laughs> but- there's a second edition coming out soon. Yeah. Watch this space. Um, so what are you going to, if I were to invite you round for um, brunch, what are you going to cook for me with uh, your glut of tomatoes this summer? From well, the book? brunch, I definitely, you know, brunch to me smacks of, of, of your jubilee headache. Um, you know, <laughs> people being a little bit weary. So I might do, there's a good recipe in the brunch for um, sort of like chopping up a load of tomatoes that may be a bit too soft or, or whatnot that, you put them in a pan with some garlic, a splash of water, just so they don't stick too much and let that bubble in a fierce oven for about 15 minutes. And then make some pockets in that, crack some eggs in, 
stick some chili flakes and some basil and loads of parmesan and bake it until the eggs are sort of just set, you know, so you've got that lovely runny yolk. Sounds like a good bread and coffee. Yeah, definitely that. Yum. I've made that one a couple of times and I've added in some asparagus yeah. in April. It is, oh, it is a real winner. It's really tasty. Really, really good. Love it. And if you're wanting to make a bit of an, of an impression on somebody, um, what, what would you suggest that we, we cook from the book? I might do the, oh my God, these are so bad for you, but so delicious. Like the camembert mayonnaise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's my philosophy always. Uh, I've got three kids too. I want them to have a really good attitude to food. Um, So yeah, do the camembert beignets, which are like donuts really, with uh, the camembert or brie sort of melts in the middle. And then I've served those on a sort of pool of tomato sauce. Oh my goodness, they are delicious. Oh, yum. I haven't tried that one. Right, mental mental note of that you mentioned there you've got you've got three daughters and you want them to have a healthy attitude towards food what is your take on the the recent legislation about putting calories onto menus just as a as a side note it's a good note um uh without sounding without wanting to sound pretentious i i don't i rarely find myself in in restaurants that um need, would need to sort of publish their that data mm-hmm. you know what i mean we cook a lot at home. I, I don't actually eat out that often. And when we do eat out, I, I go to sort of more local independent restaurants, which is smaller and don't sort of need to do that, really, which is, is a good thing, I think. Um, but I, 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 I'm, yeah, I mean, it's a massive topic, isn't it? I, I, well, I've got three daughters. I just want them to grow up with a really positive attitude and I wouldn't want them counting calories. As someone who had eating, you know, issues as a teenager I, I've made that my raison d'etre to to bring up children with a sort of positive and strong and uh, and voracious appetite for food. Healthy. No I, I echo that I, I had an eating disorder throughout my early 20s and I've got three boys um, but I think that's part of the reason why I get them into the kitchen so much as well because I want them to experiment with food and I want food to be a source of enjoyment not just mm-hmm. as a fuel um, so and I, I can see that how it could be quite um, dangerous and damaging to, to many people, young and old, putting um, calories onto menus, I have to admit. I think there's there's a different way to go to um, to combat this obesity crisis that we're, we're facing. I think resources can Oh, be- my God, there's so much to do. And it's totally the fault of governments of the last, you know, my generation of, of, of children growing up, really, in the 80s. You know, we all had school dinners and we were just ate what what was there. Now we've got yes. and you know that's not a bad thing that everyone eats the same thing in their school dinners and everyone's the same. Do you know what I mean? But since it's become a kind of business to make money and franchises and people have, you know, I just think it's so wrong. Yeah. So I think there's loads to do, and as ever, it starts with with school and education. Definitely. As, as a mum who's very confident in, in the kitchen, obviously, because you are a chef, what tips would you give to other families to get more families into the kitchen and cooking from scratch? Obviously, bearing in mind, I think people are feeling the pinch and the pressure more now than ever, and this is going to continue. It's going to accelerate. Um, what, what can they do to really sort of boost their confidence and make their, make their resources go further in the kitchen? Yeah, so I wouldn't put the pressure on it being some special night that so-and-so takes on the cooking. Do you know what I mean? I think that's an awful lot of pressure and that kind of zaps any sort of like ingenuity or sort of like, 
or sort of excitement really i just make it commonplace you know like expected that everyone should help if they're there home from school sometimes my kids are at stuff after school sometimes they're not and if they're here you know i just expect them to help and they can either lay the table or they can go and get some herbs or you know put water glasses on the table just not make it a rarefied special event that you're helping in the kitchen just make it part of family life yeah no totally I couldn't agree more and you've obviously you've moved house quite recently as well as everything else that's been going on and uh, where does the garden center in in your new house has that become a bit of a focus yeah we're very lucky with this new house because the garden is bigger and the orientation of the house is that no one ever uses the front door we all leave via the garage because that way is the way to the park and then through to school so um Everyone, it's a very strange house that no one used the front door. So we all go through the garden out of the house. So very important, really. So we've just started really in earnest this summer, sort of getting it going. Um, Mark Diacono sent us a load of stuff to plant. because Matt. Oh, wow. Herbs by any chance? <laughs> and um, yeah, we're just, I mean, I'm all about edible stuff, really. I, I like a bit of grass for the kids to lie on or play, you know, whatever on. But um I just want things that I can eat. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and, and even that goes to flowers, you know, like roses, lavender, chamomile. We've got those growing. So I just like, I like the kind of edible nature of a garden. And you and and, see the squash going strong. Excellent. Good. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear. Uh, maybe maybe the next book could just be pumpkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pumpkin. You've got a few good pumpkin ones. What about tomatoes, though? Are you growing your own tomatoes this summer? Are we growing our own what, sorry? Tomatoes this summer. Yes, yes of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am growing my own tomatoes. I've, what, I've got tomatoes, squash, fennel, broad beans, peas. Um, what else can I see? Um, and then just so many herbs, really. We've got three types of oregano. We've got basil, mint, thyme, savoury, which is my new favourite herb. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've got an absolute... I've got a curse on rosemary and that I can't grow it. I don't know why. It's supposed to be really easy, isn't it? But yeah. any one I plant, it just sort of goes all woody and dies. Oh. Um, I can recommend a really great herb company that are um, based in Birmingham called Urban Herbs. Yeah. Um, if you look them up, you will you will be blown away. And they do a mail, they're only a mail delivery. Um, but definitely look them up because um, I think you'll be quite impressed with what they have to offer. They're really, really good. Herbs. I mean, our kitchen is very um, it's central to the home, but and this kitchen in particular has got really lucky, um, just massive doors that open onto the garden. So mm-hmm. in the garden, we've got because Matt did some help, worked on the big green egg cookbook. So yeah, we've got one of those in the garden, and then I've also been sent this um, wood burning oven as well. So lots of cooking outdoors. Really, we just need the sun to come back, don't we? Yeah, that that would be good. It's definitely vanished. Um, although I was in London at the weekend, and uh, I think Scotland had way better weather than we did down south, <laughs> <laughs> which is always the way. Hey ho! So, what is what is next um, for you, Claire, going forward after Tomato? What's on the work horizon for you? Well, uh, I've got a few sort of things bumbling on in Instagram world, which is good, which helps pay the mortgage, uh, and then. <laughs> I work, I cook once a week for Pucker Herbs, you know, the... Um, yes, yeah. I, I cook lunch for them once a week, which is great. I love that job. It's a bit like being in sort of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory because they've got this 
sort of storing with all the teas that they make, which are obviously herbs and spices. So I use those in as much of the cooking as I can. And then I think ultimately, not this year, but next year, I'd like to revisit Five O'Clock Apron, the cookbook, yeah. but uh-huh. a grown-up kid's version, a more, you know, teenagers uh, and and older children. I'd like to do that. Just w- witnessing my my oldest daughter going through her mocks for GCSEs, and she's mm. so, oh, she's like, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. She just needs to sit down and be fed nutritious food and feel calm so I'd quite like to include that as a as a sort of remit in the book sort of what to feed teenagers and those needing to concentrate I know a lot of parents up and down the country at the moment who would really appreciate that (laughs) yeah yeah no I feel like lots of my friends who have got kids doing their GCSEs or A-levels are like Mm -hmm. oh it's so hard so I'd quite you know there's nice things to put in there like rosemary for remembrance and stuff you know like nutritious brain food that you can feed them yeah no that sounds like a great idea I am I'm totally on board with that definitely <laughs> well listen Claire thank you so much for your time today and um, good luck with the book tomato are you taking it on the road at all over the summer yeah I'm in a few festivals I'm at the Royal Horticultural Society in Manchester I think in Tatton Park is that where oh it's? brilliant yeah and I'm on P- Tom Kerridge's Pub in the Park. I think I'm going on uh, Sunday brunch. And I think I'm at Also Festival and I'm at Ludlow Food Festival. So a few places, yeah. A busy summer ahead. Excellent. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful summer and uh, good luck with everything, Claire. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love Claire and I love her honest writing and cooking and I'll put all the details of her new book and where you can find her online in today's show notes. If you are growing tomatoes this year to help you get the best out of your homegrown crop, here are my top tips for growing your own. in at number one, companion planting. I love companion planting and it works really well with tomatoes. I've sown some basil seeds actually underneath some of my tomato plants and this will help to attract whitefly. Nasturtiums and French marigolds are also a great sacrificial plant which help to repel any beasties that might attack your tomato plants. At number two, be sure to use canes or branches to support your plants so they grow successfully and really strongly and pinch out any side shoots between the stem and the main branch. At number three, water the plant, not the leaves or the stems to make sure that it gets deep into the roots. Leaves and the stems of a tomato plant really don't like getting wet and soggy. In at number four, once the plant begins to flower, use a seaweed feed. The fruit will thrive on the potassium and this will make sure that you get really ripe and tasty tomato fruits. And finally, at number five, water little and often. Tomatoes can be tricky and blight and blossom raw are notorious, but stick with it and hopefully over the summer months you will get a very delicious crop of homegrown tomatoes which really taste like nothing you have ever tasted before and you'll never eat 
another tomato from the supermarket in December. And finally, if you are in and around Glasgow or in fact beyond, check out the Festival of Growing, which has been organised by the Food and Climate Action Team. It's free and not only are there in-person events, there are also online events running until next Wednesday. And it is a celebration of Glasgow's growing efforts as there is a huge network of groups who are campaigning for better growing conditions, more land and just sharing a wealth of knowledge that they have for people within the city who are keen to grow their own, whether at home or within community groups. That's all for today. A huge thanks again to Claire Thompson, today's guest, and also thank you for tuning in and listening. As always, please do remember to subscribe, share and review the podcast. It does make a huge difference to getting the show off the ground. I'll be taking a few weeks off from recording to enjoy some time with the boys. It'll probably be spent ogling the fruit and veg and flowers in my garden. But until next time, please do keep growing and cooking.